This is Barry Zalma, Zalma on insurance. I am an attorney who has retired from the active practice of law and now spend my time as an insurance claims consultant, an insurance claims expert, witness, an author, and producer of these videos. Today, instead of my usual, we will lapse into some fiction based upon reality. A true crime story from my experience with the names changed to protect the guilty. This one comes from my book, Heads I Win, Tales You Lose, and is called Wealth in the Desert. He came to the desert to make his fortune. Hundreds of old and dying people presented an unlimited market his convalescent home, Pax Manor, was more a luxury hotel than a home for the aged. For $2,000 a week, he would cater to their every whim. He provided breakfast in bed, a massage every night, a chauffeur and limousine at their call, gourmet food, and a cardiologist on call 24 hours a day. He never had more than 20 tenants the profit margin was small. All his guests loved Dr. Klaus. He had purchased a Doctor of Divinity degree from the Universal Life Church for $25 so he could use the title. He was not a medical doctor, or really a doctor of any kind. They presented gifts to him with embarrassing regularity. He was pleased with himself. He had a list of rich, old people who wandered a pap pampered lifestyle in the desert outside Scottsdale, Arizona. His life changed to one of crime at the whim of an old lady. Louise Gottrocks was 86, ambulatory and forgetful. She would sometimes forget her age and think she was 20. When she did, her body would be unable to perform the tasks her mind asked it to do, and she would hurt herself. Mrs. Gottrocks thought she could jump down two stairs at a time during one of her passages back to youth. She could not. The fall broke her neck, and she died instantly. Before she died, however, because of the love she felt for Dr. Klaus, she named him the beneficiary of a $100,000 life insurance policy. <laughs> he was pleasantly surprised to receive a check from an insurer shortly after her death. With the proceeds, he bought a new limousine for Pax Manor. Dr. Klaus began to invest the remainder of, of the life insurance proceeds to purchase insurance policies issued on the lives of his guests. His income was totally dependent upon Pax Manor. Its wealthy guests were the only source of his income. Dr. Klaus convinced a local life insurance agent to sell him key person life insurance policies on each of the guests. Pax Manor and Dr. Klaus were the only beneficiaries of the policies. The premiums were steep, but well within the means provided by the gift he received from Ms. Gottrocks after her death.
With the money left over after buying the new limousine, he was able to insure each of the twenty residents of Pax Manor. If they died, he would be paid a million dollars. He then waited for nature to take its course. For six months he waited patiently. But because of their pampered existence, all of his guests remained happy and healthy. None died. Dr. Klaus decided it was time to take the matter into his own hands. The profits from Pax Manor were making him a reasonable living. He was not earning the money he believed was his right. He was unable to purchase a home of his own. He had to occupy one room at Pax Manor, just like the elderly tenants. He knew he was as good as any of his tenants, and because of his skills, ability, and devotion to the aged, he should live with the same comfort and wealth that they did. Of his twenty tenants, only one presented him with difficulties and unreasonable demands. Jason Jason Goldfleece was 88 years of age, ambulatory with an aluminum walker. He insisted on a totally dairy-free, beef-free, egg-free, gluten-free, and green vegetable-free diet. Jason required that the temperature in his room must always be a constant 72 degrees Fahrenheit. If the temperature rose or fell one degree higher or lower than 72 in Jason's room, he would fly into a rage. Jason also, contrary to his doctor's instructions, often refused to take the assigned medication and would become incontinent. It was time to take action. Dr. Klaus course he had keys to everything, visited the nurses' quarters before the distribution of the afternoon medications. From the medicine cabinet he obtained oxycodone tablets that he placed in Jason Goldfleece's medication receptacle instead of his normal vitamin pills. He knew Jason had a heart condition and that the amount of oxycodone he gave would very probably bring on a heart attack. Dr. Klaus was correct. Shortly after this consumption of the medication, Jason Goldfleece, unusually receptive, took his medications and died one hour at later of a massive heart attack. Since he had a history of a heart condition, the house cardiologist pronounced him dead of a heart attack and no autopsy was required. One month later, Dr. Klaus collected $1 million. With that money, he paid the continuing premiums on his other guests. He would never find a need to murder. His guests, as expected, died with regularity. Pax Manor became the most successful business in all of the state of Arizona, Dr. Klaus was never suspected, let alone arrested. Let's now consider a second story of how fraud is attempted. 
sometimes succeeds, sometimes doesn't. This one is called the Golden Taxi. Misha came to Houston in 1990, directly from the old Soviet Union. His dream was to be a cowboy. Instead, he became a cab driver. Misha picked up the English language quickly and memorized the convoluted streets of Houston. Within a year of his arrival, he could find with ease any hotel, restaurant, or bar in the overgrown small town that was Houston. Misha made a reasonable living driving a cab, making the 45-minute run in and from the airport at least three times a day. He bought a small three-bedroom house outside Houston and was building his way toward the American dream. Misha was not a criminal. He drove his cab 12 hours a day, six days a week, to support himself and his young wife. Misha's life changed when the dispatcher called him to the home of Sophie Mendelssohn. Sophie, a 90-year-old Medicare patient, needed a ride to her doctor's office four miles from her home. Upon arrival at the doctor's office, Sophie gave Misha the information necessary to bill Medicare direct for his services. He complied and within weeks received a check from the U.S. Treasury. It seemed all that Medicare required before it sent a check was information concerning the patient, a Medicare number, and whatever he wanted for the miles driven. Misha satisfied Medicare if the fare reasonably related to the amount of miles he claimed. Misha was an intelligent man. He grew up in the Soviet Union, so he had no respect for government. In fact, as a child and as an adult living in the Soviet Union, he learned that the only way to survive was to deceive the ever-present government. He was surprised to learn how unlike Soviet government was the U.S. government. Rather than expecting deceit from its citizens, the U.S. government seemed to believe everything told to it by its residents. The ride he gave Sophie Mendelssohn gave Misha a plan to obtain a fortune. Misha advised his dispatcher he would volunteer to take all the Medicare, Medicaid, and welfare patient rides called into his cab. Since the other drivers did not like to wait for the payments from the government, Misha received all the claims and calls and within a month he had created a ledger containing 100 names, addresses, and Medicare numbers. With a calculator, a tax table, and a pad of receipts, Misha started on his journey to earn his first million dollars. He created receipts for five doctor visits for everyone he actually drove. Misha extended the distance to each doctor, by a factor of three. In his first year, he collected more than a million dollars from the United States, state, and county governments. The next year, his collection, since his number of welfare and Medicare recipients had increased in his ledger, had gone to two million dollars. He sold his three-bedroom house and bought a 500-acre ranch with a 4,000-square-foot, six-bedroom ranch house and stables. 
he began to live his dream of being a cowboy. Misha bought five hundred head of longhorn steers and three quarter horses. Misha, the Russian cowboy, continued his profitable taxi business for three more years. An auditor for the state of Texas Department of Social Services first noticed that Misha's cab company had taken a client to the doctor who had died a month before the trip. The auditor then found each receipt submitted by Misha to the state of Texas and Harris County. When he was done, the auditor found that in 1994, if the records were accurate, Misha had driven the 1992 Chevrolet Caprice taxi cab a total of 1,250,000 miles. The auditor concluded that Misha needed to drive more than 3,000 miles a day, 16 hours a day, 365 days a year, at more than 200 miles an hour to justify his claims. The Texas Attorney General, with the assistance of a grand jury, arrested, tried, and eventually convicted Misha of defrauding the state of Texas and Har Harris County, Texas. The judge ordered that he pay a fine of $50,000 and to serve 90 days in jail. Because he was a first offender, Misha was placed on probation for five years. Misha continues to live his dream as a cowboy, breeding Texas Longhorn cattle on his ranch outside Houston. The United States government, although advised of the crime by Harris County officials, refused to prosecute since the fraud would seriously embarrass the Medicare system. Everyone involved, especially Misha, believed that justice had been served. These two stories were adapted from my book, Heads I Win, Tales You Lose, which is available with more than 80 stories, such as the two we've talked about from Amazon.com as both a Kindle book and as a paperback. If you found these stories to be of interest, please refer them to your colleagues. Subscribe to my blog posts that you, so that you could learn about new blogs on insurance, insurance claims, insurance coverage, and insurance fraud. And I thank you for your attention.